Hebrews chapter 13, verses 18 to 25. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and decide to, desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for in fact I have written to you quite briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. Morning, everybody. Uh, as has been mentioned, we're saying goodbye to, uh, to the book of Hebrews today. Uh, as we also are preparing to say goodbye to the year 2023. Uh, and we've been looking, haven't we, over the last two autumns uh, at the book of Hebrews. And just as, as a bit of a recap, really, let me just kind of summarize kind of where we are. Hebrews uh, is a letter, or it also has, I suppose, elements of a written down sermon as well. That's what we've kind of looked at over the last two autumns. And it's thought that the um, original recipients of this letter were Christians that were converted uh, from Judaism. And it is full of uh, sort of cautions about leaving Christianity. And, and the writer, as we've seen, focuses sort of hugely on the, the superiority of Jesus. The superiority of Jesus compared to the Jewish sacrifices, compared to the Jewish rituals. Uh, and the writer's overall message, really, to, to the recipients is keep going. Persevere. Keep going. As they write to this, this group of people whose lives are all over the place in one sense. They're beaten down by the world. They are suffering great persecution lies filled with difficulty, and the writer is saying, he's trying, to, or he's trying to give these Christians another way through which they should view their challenging lives without falling to pieces. That's really the idea of Hebrews. That, that, that's what Hebrews is. And so our passage today, as thank you, Naomi, for reading that for us, that, our passage today is sort of the writer signing off, drawing the argument to a close, and I suppose outlining what it is that they want the Christians to remember and focus on. But as I was preparing it felt wrong of me, really, to not link our passage with uh, our current situation, not only in the calendar, but also, more specifically, as a church family, because it's New Year's Eve. It's the day where we all inevitably look back, as Matt was talking about, we look back over the year with a mix of emotions and a mix of thoughts, and we perhaps also look forward to what a new year may bring, again, with a mix of emotions and a mix of thoughts. Looking back, we may feel a mix of sort of joy, but also perhaps some sadness as well. You might have had some expected as well as unexpected moments which were exciting and satisfying and enjoyable, and other moments which perhaps bring back feelings of, of upset or shock or regret or anxiety. 2023 may have been uh, or may have seen steps of sort of planned or unplanned change in your life, within your education, within your workplace, within your family or your personal life. You may have goals or aspirations that have been met or targets that have been achieved or maybe in my case have been pushed on another five years or something like that. I was reminded recently that I'd said that by the time I'm 30, which is coming in 2024, I will be 30 in 2024, I said by the time I'm 30, I will have learned how to read music, I would have learned a musical instrument, and I would have learned a new language. Let's move on. Um, 
Yeah, that hasn't, that hasn't really worked out. That might be 35 to 40 now that I've pushed that. We may feel a, a whole sense of different thoughts and feelings in the room. We're, and we may look also at 2024, and you might have all other kinds of emotions. You know, you might have more steps of change that are planned for or hoped for. You may have new goals, new aspirations, new targets to hit, uh, new experiences ahead, you know, university life or job changes or relationship and family changes, house moves, new starts hoped for, new habits, new beginnings, new possibilities, all these things. You may be totally desperate for 2023 to end, or you may be completely terrified about 2024 to start, or you may be somewhere in the middle. As the year comes to its close today, I'm sure there's a mix of emotions in this room. And for us as a church family, you know, we're all standing on the precipice, aren't we? You know, God willing, after today, there's only one more Sunday in this building as it is before the extension work begins. And therefore, we're not only saying goodbye to, to Hebrews and to 2023, but eventually we're going to be saying goodbye to that back wall. <laughs> I hope you've signed a pen. Have you got a pen and signed your name on it? Lots of exciting times ahead, I'm sure, but but ones that will also bring more decisions, more discussions, more deliberations, more thought, because change, endings, and new beginnings, you know, they bring with them great excitement, but also great trepidation as well, which is why I think in times like these, with endings and new beginnings, we need something, we need someone who does not change, who is not impacted by circumstance, someone who is within himself the way, the truth, and the life. We need a solid place to stand and a solid place to rest. Remember what we looked at with Stuart in Hebrews 13 a couple of weeks ago. Verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. This is where the writer of Hebrews wants the listeners to root themselves as they face all manner of tough times within persecution, but also just in the, in the everyday mundane life of living for Jesus and representing him, the writer wants them to root themselves in the one who never changes, 2023 or 2024 or whatever year it is. Never changes. Remember who it is you and I serve. Remember it is who you and I belong to. And the writer gives one more name to Jesus, who the, who the book of Hebrews has been given lots of different names, lots of different titles, but the name the writer chooses to end on, I think is fascinating, the great shepherd of the sheep. And that, that's going to be our main focus this morning, the great shepherd of the sheep. But before that, I wanted to briefly just give a general overview of, of this final section, of, of, of this passage. So the passage itself, it's split into, I suppose, three sort of subsections. So I've split it this way. So verse 18 to 19, which Naomi read for us, pray for us. We are sure that we, are ha we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. The writer here is asking for prayer. Particularly not that they may be reunited, reunited within, with these Christians. And I love it when you see the real human side of the letters in Scripture, you know. Almost like we do with a text or an email, I, I can't wait to see you, you know, I, I'm desperate to see you. When, when can we meet next? That kind of idea. It's the same really here in this letter. The writer is desiring fellowship with these Christians. There's real love, there's real intimacy there. You know, the writer's done a lot of sort of rebuking and challenging of this group of people but nevertheless, the, the writer is writing out of compassion, a deep compassion for this group of people because, he, because they want to see them flourish and to grow in Christ. And it's probably true that these verses were likely linking with the preceding verses about church leaders, which Andy took us through a couple of weeks ago, and please do catch up on that on the website if you haven't done so already. But I think that's very interesting 
because it's quite clear that the writer of Hebrews is also a church leader, it seems. I think that's important to note. It's biblical and right that church leaders ask for prayer. It's also biblical and right that we give time to pray for those who we, as we've looked at in previous weeks, are our shepherds, our church elders, the ones who watch over us, the ones who desire that we all flourish in our walks with Jesus, the ones who, who will give an account before Jesus himself for how they've shepherded. And I think it's our duty, isn't it, to pray for them because you and I, as sheep, we want loving, capable, strong, wise, discerning, Christ-honoring shepherds, don't we? And we are incredibly blessed. And I can say that because none of them are here. So I can say this. We're incredibly blessed by Paul, Keith, and Andy as our shepherds. And I know that they would say what the writer says here in verse 18. Pray for us. Let's make that a habit for this year as we go into a new year. Make that a habit, particularly now over the next six months, where there's going to be a whole lot of change and a whole lot of stuff going on. Let's make that a habit, each of us, to look at our shepherds and pray for them. The second little section, verse 20 to 21. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. These are verses that are often what we call a benediction, which, which is common in a number of the letters in the New Testament. And the, the, in a sense, that, again, the, the writer, after asking for prayer, then is, in a sense, prays this benediction for the readers, for the listeners. They're asking for God to bless them and equip them. Work in them what is pleasing to him and beneficial for accomplishing God's will. And we're going to come back to the benediction a little later on. But, but notice that the benediction almost likes, acts like a bit of a summary, really, of the whole letter itself. If you look back at it, look at it on the screen, it acts as a bit of a summary because it, it speaks again of the new covenant, of the new agreement that Jesus has brought about through his death, his life, death, and his resurrection. The core idea of Hebrews, that new agreement brought about by Jesus is better than anything Judaism offers, is better than anything this world offers. That's the, that's the idea here. And the whole idea of Hebrews has been to remind the people of this so that Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, as it says in verse 21, that they would be equipped by God to serve his cause in the world, not their own. And then finally, our last section, verse 22 to 25, which are the final greetings, really. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation. I love this bit. For in fact, I've written to you quite briefly. Big fan of that one, despite that. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you. Or you can see that there's, there's a final appeal there, isn't there? To the group, bear with my word of exhortation. You know, the writer's asking, again, as I talked about earlier, it's a, if it is a bit like a sermon. It's a bit like kind of a classic ending to a sermon, isn't it? Take time over this. Hold on to it. Bear with my word of exhortation. And then we have a brief bit of news concerning Timothy, who it seems has been relieved from prison. Now, scholars dispute whether this is the same Timothy we read of working with Paul, uh, as in the letters of First and Second Timothy in the New Testament. Scholars debate it. It's possible that it is the same Timothy. We're not sure. Timothy was a quite a common name back then, but it's very possible that it is the same Timothy that we read of in the New Testament. And then we have verse 24 to 25, that sort of final greetings. The writer mentions that there are Italians with them who send greetings. You know, I love that. Little things, you know, like in, at the end of letters, the equivalent of, oh, send my love to those over there. Say hi to them for me. I love that. 
It's a little thing, a human thing, part of, the, part of these letters that you read. Say hi, to, say hi to them for me. I love that. And the last phrase, grace be with you all. And that was a common sort of letter sign-off in the New Testament. But I think it's very important to note that because there's a huge emphasis in Hebrews on God's grace through Jesus Christ. So I think that's a fitting end to the letter. And that's Hebrews, and I could sit down at that point. And you'd all be very happy if I did. But I've got a bit more to say. Because as I've mentioned, within this last section, I want us to reflect on that final name, that final title given to Jesus, and it's that word, shepherd. It's the only place in the whole of Hebrews that Jesus is referred to as such. And that the writer chooses to end their letter, their document, their sermon on this idea. Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. The entire argument of Hebrews has been that Jesus is greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses and the Mosaic law. He's greater than the Jewish sacrificial system. He's greater than the priesthood. He's greater than all of these things. And the final picture we're given is that he is the great shepherd of the sheep. And I think then as we approach the finish of one year and we begin another one, I think there are some lessons in here for us to think about. So I've got three truths for us to hold on to here. And three questions for each of us to ask ourselves today as we head into 2024. Three truths to hold on to, three questions to ask ourselves. My shepherd is totally committed to me. In what ways am I struggling to commit to him? My shepherd is restoring and equipping me. In what ways am I hindering his work in me? My shepherd is the God of peace. In what ways am I failing to trust him? These are three points for us to focus on today. These are three truths to take into the next year, but also three questions in response, because truth requires response. So number one, my shepherd is totally committed to me. Have you noticed that the animal the Bible chooses to consistently compare us to is sheep? Of all of the animals chosen, of all the domesticated animals chosen, God decides on sheep. Not horses, dogs, or cats, sheep. And he's not meaning, you know, how he might think of sheep from a distance, you know, sort of the cute and cuddly and fluffy idea, the clean white wool. No, that's not the idea of the Bible when it talks of us as being sheep. And those who work with sheep will tell you otherwise. In fact, I was reading recently the, the former church minister and the author John Stott once described what a Welsh shepherd said to him. And if it's a Welsh person, as a Welsh person, I know that they always speak the truth. This is what a Welsh shepherd said to him once about sheep when he was holidaying in Pembrokeshire in West Wales. He said, Sheep are not at all clean or cuddly creatures that they look like from a distance. On the contrary, they are dirty, subject to nasty pests, need to be regularly dipped in strong chemicals to rid them all of all sorts of things like lice and ticks and worms. They're also extremely unintelligent and very obstinate. That's quite a CV, that, isn't it? And basically, John said to summarize that sheep are dirty, lousy, and stupid. That's quite a bold statement, isn't it? Sheep can't look after themselves. They wander off. They don't know where's best or safest to graze. What sheep need above anything else and everything else is a caring shepherd. And the Bible is putting its message across incredibly clearly. You and I need a shepherd whether we admit it or not, because we are like sheep. 
whether we admit it or not. And thankfully, God, throughout the entire Scripture, is a consistent picture of a shepherd. Now, most of us here in the UK may understand parts of the image of a shepherd, but perhaps not completely. You know, we're not sort of that part of a, a real agricultural society much anymore. And we're certainly far removed from what it would like to be a shepherd in Bible times as well. So let me just say, for example, shepherding in Bible times, I suppose it is for agricultural workers today, shepherding was a matter of life or death. It was your sole economic security. The sheep were your life. The health of the sheep impacted the health of your whole family unit because they were the things that provided. And the sheep's safety and care, if it was poor, had severe repercussions on the ability of you to care and feed for your family. Your, your sheep were your life, and the shepherd would do all they could to provide and protect the sheep, stopping at nothing to care for them. In fact, the commitment and the concern would be total, and it would be complete. And Jesus, of course, as he describes himself in John chapter 10, is the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. His commitment to his sheep is total and complete. Jesus was so committed to you that he chose God's judgment and he chose, God's, and he chose death for himself instead of you. And if we believe Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, that Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever, then he is still just as committed to you now. He's committed to your protection, he's committed to your provision, he's committed to your mind and to your soul. And as a shepherd, he desires nothing more than your safety and your flourishing. He constantly watches over you like a shepherd would do. You never leave his sight. Even if you can't see him, you never leave his sight. Even if it doesn't feel like it, he's there. You never leave his sight, though he often leaves ours, if we're quite honest, because our heads are often turned like sheep often are. He knows you by name. Another section of John chapter 10, verse 2 to 4. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. The shepherds would know each sheep by name. They named them. And the sheep knew their shepherd's voice. When they called, they came. Even when there was mixes of flocks going on, when the shepherd came and called, the sheep would know which was their shepherd because they knew the voice. And so what's our job as sheep? Learn his voice and stay close to him. That's it, quite frankly. Learn his voice, stay close to him. Don't wander or get distracted not to see and think, oh, what, what's that over there? That looks nice. That looks safe enough. That looks good to the eye. That, that looks like satisfaction and contentment over there. You know, those sheep, look like they're really, they've really got it sorted and they're really living. And you know, those thoughts start in your mind, don't they? And, and, then you start, and then we start doubting the shepherd. Well, does he really love me? Because, because if so, he would have moved me on from where I am now. He would have given me that patch of grass over there. He would have led me on to get me away from, from where I am here. You know, why, why make me wait? Does he really want what's best for me? Does he really know how I'm feeling? Because those sheep over there don't have a shepherd and they look great. Does that sound like what we're like? Trust the shepherd who gave his life for you. 
Learn the voice of the shepherd who watches over you. Learn the sound and the rhythms of his voice and stay close to him. Jesus is totally committed to you, but if you and I profess to be one of his followers, one of his flock, then you and I have a responsibility to learn and obey his voice and to stay close. You and I have a responsibility to feed on Scripture more in 24 than we have done in 2023. You and I have a responsibility to submit our wants and our desires to His more this year than we did the previous year. To look to Him for direction and contentment. To trust His timing in all things. To step forward through the door that He's asking you to step forward through or to wait in contentment as He prepares the next steps for you. To walk with him more deeply in prayer through our days. To become more deeply rooted in him as a branch to the vine so that we may be more fruitful. To make our relationship with Jesus the key thing about us in every aspect of our life. That's our responsibility. And so the question comes then, doesn't it? In what way am I struggling to commit to my shepherd? The one who's totally committed himself to me. In what ways am I struggling to commit to him? Where do my attitudes need to change? Where do my my thoughts need to change? My relationships need to change? My priorities need to change? I'm going to be serious here. Maybe right now, get a pen, get some paper. I'll even trust you to get your phone out and not go out on social media. And open up your notes. And answer that question. Where am I struggling to commit here? Where am I struggling to commit? Where do my attitudes and thoughts and priorities need to change? Where am I struggling to commit to the shepherd? Number two, my shepherd is restoring and equipping me. The benediction again, verse 20 to 21. It'll be up on the screen there. Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The whole idea of Hebrews is that this new agreement between God and humanity established by Jesus through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, it's this. To enable us to obey God and live the life we were designed to live, God had to transform you and me from the inside. He had to give us a new heart. To change us from being a sheep that wanders from our shepherd to sheep that abide in and with our shepherd. That is the work God is doing in us. And the word here used for equip in the Greek, and it should be up on the screen there, katatasia, no, katatasai, there you go, katatasai. It means to make fit, one of my resolutions actually. That was a bit too quick for you, wasn't it? Make fit, make complete, to bring about the full potential. God knows what is best to equip us with. And so as we, as Christians, should never feel unequipped, really. So we often do, but we shouldn't. My wife will look at me and say, you're the person who often feels the most unequipped. And I challenge myself on this. We should never feel unequipped. Second Peter 1 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. We should never feel unequipped. But there's another aspect to this word here. The word used here in Hebrews, it's translated equip but it also means something else. And uh, the, the verb of the word, katatizo, which is also on the screen, it also means restore, it means repair, it means mend. 
And interestingly, it's the word used in the Gospels in Matthew and Mark to describe the work of the disciples mending their nets when Jesus comes to call them. So this is the idea of verse 21. God as our shepherd is not only able to supply what is necessary for you and me to grow as followers of Jesus, he's also able to repair what is broken in you. He is able to restore, he's able to repair, he's able to heal, he's able to mend what's broken inside of you. That's the other equipping aspect of the work that God is doing. So I say to you this morning, Christian, has 2023 broken you? Are there aspects in your life that you feel broken? Do you sit here this morning broken by life, broken by situations and circumstances, broken by lost opportunities, broken by the never-ending challenges of life, broken by hopes that have been dashed, broken by fatigue, the strains and difficulties of everyday life, broken by family situations, broken by relationships or by job disappointments, broken by spiritual adultery, broken by behavior that you know has not honored God, broken by times where you've ignored Him, broken by habits of sin which you feel powerless to break, broken by your lack of discipline, broken by unwanted and undealt with apathy, towards God or towards the church, broken by undealt with unforgiveness. Because if so, then God is saying to you this morning, let me do some more work in you because I'm not finished. He says to me, he says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. That rest in the Hebrew means completeness and contentment and total satisfaction. Come to me and let me help you, let me work in you. Because God is mending and can mend what is torn and what is broken in your life. He can repair it. He can. You and I need to believe that. But you have to let him. You and I have to let him. You and I have to let him into the rooms of our lives that we struggle to let him into. To trust that in his, in his restoration, in his molding of you, there's going to be pain and there's going to be challenge. In the times of pruning back, like a gardener who would prune their shrubs, deeper growth will eventually be achieved. God is seeking to make you into the image of the great shepherd himself. But it's going to take time, it's going to take pain. And note what verse 21 says. Equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. If you and I claim to be followers of Jesus, your life and my life isn't about me anymore. It's about the shepherd. You and I are his sheep, and you and I are a sheep who is shepherded by our Savior and shepherded by our King, not shepherded by ourselves. And we are to submit to his will for our lives in the big things and in the small things. We're submit to, meant to submit our will to him, our conscience to him, our feelings to him, our thoughts to him, our emotions to him, our desires to him our passions to him, our abilities to him, our goals to him. Because that is what it means to be shepherded. Understanding that we are merely sheep and our great shepherd who laid his life down to save us from punishment and to save us from hell, he deserves our devotion. And that he is so worthy that we should lay down the leadership of our life and give it to him. And yet as God seeks to make us more like Jesus and to do his restoring 
and his equipping work, we can hinder him in the process. And so then I ask the question again, where are you and I hindering God's work? In what areas of life are we saying to him, God, I will let you have this bit, but not this. You can speak in this bit, but not this bit. You can't touch this attitude. I don't want you to touch this discipline or this habit or this activity or this relationship. You can't talk to me about my finances or how I spend my personal time or how I behave in my job or how I speak and treat my spouse or how I speak and treat my children or my parents or my grandparents or my wider family. You can't speak on those things. Where are we saying, well, God, you know, this character and this behavior stuff in me, you know, it's just me. This is just what I'm like. You can't change that. Or maybe what we really mean is, I don't want you to change that. I'm comfortable here. I'm comfortable with this. You know, well, God, these things from my life in the past, you know, they don't need dealing with now. We'll leave those alone. You know, God, my difficulties, you know, with anger or with patience, with with, with authority or anxiety or ill-discipline or unforgiveness. You can't help me with those. Leave those be. Leave those to the professionals. I want to say this seriously. Church, Regent Chapel, this year, let God mend what's broken inside of you. Let him work and trust that in the painful process, he's forming the most beautiful piece of art because he's forming himself in you, which is amazing to think about. But you and I have a responsibility to let him do it. Trust him. I speak personally here. Last two, three years, it's been a, a, a long fight with the Lord probably on letting him work, letting him do his thing. Trusting what he's doing is producing something beautiful. Doesn't mean it's not easy. Doesn't mean it's not without pain and challenge. But you and I need to trust the shepherd in what he's doing. Let him work in you this year. Finally, my shepherd is the God of peace. That's how God is described in verse 20. You may remember a few weeks ago when we were preparing to take communion, I showed you painting. It was an artist's impression of peace, and it's going to be up on the screen there for you. And it was, I'll remind you, it was submitted during a competition which occurred during the Second World War. And the criteria was simply produce something that illustrates peace the best. And most of the paintings, of course, were sort of pastoral scenes, and they were sort of quiet countryside and all the rest of it. But, but this one was the winner. And as you can see, it's got a great storm, it's got a raging waterfall, it's got black clouds, it's got torrential rain, it's got water crashing everywhere. And yet perched in the center of the waterfall is a little bird who has found refuge in the cleft of the rock. It's safe, it's secure, in the midst of all of the turmoil and all of the chaos, it's resting content and it's resting undisturbed. Does that scene of storm and raging water, does that describe a 2023? Does that describe your life presently? Has it been a year or a time of challenge for you and a time of strife? Have you, and have you and I been able to, in the midst of the chaos, find refuge in the cleft of the rock? 
find refuge in the cleft of Jesus Christ? Has he been your peace? Have you put your eyes on Jesus and not the surrounding chaos which is inevitable for all of us who follow Christ? Have you and I been like Simon Peter? When he's walking to Jesus on the water, he turns to see the wind and the waves rather than focusing on the one who holds the wind and waves in his hand. Because peace, it's not the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of difficulty. Peace is completeness and contentment in Jesus Christ. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of difficulty. It's completeness and contentment in Jesus Christ. That's what the picture in that sense is showing. And our great shepherd and my great shepherd, he won for us peace with God by laying down his life for us. He defeated sin, he defeated death. He, he, he won the greatest war that each of us has within ourselves. He settled it when he laid his life down. And he has given us his peace so that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when a table is prepared for us in the presence of our enemies, we can remember that he is with us always and that our cup really does overflow with the peace that's been won for us. Where is your peace and trust placed as 2023 ends and as 2024 begins? What are the things that you're struggling to trust your shepherd with? What are the worries, the fears, the sins and the struggles that you're struggling to let him have? Because we often think that if we hold on to them, We'll sort them out. But often that's the most painful. And we need to let the shepherd do his work. And we need to let the shepherd carry the burdens. Three truths for 2024. Three questions for us to reflect on. Now, I firstly hope that for everyone in this room, Jesus is your shepherd. That you've given your life to him. And you've accepted what he's done for you in sacrificing himself on the cross. And he's taken your punishment and he's taken your sin. And I pray that you've confessed that sin to him. And you've asked for his forgiveness and you've pledged to live your life for him. Because I say to you now clearly and plainly, if you've not done that, Jesus is not your shepherd. Make Jesus your shepherd today. Start a year. What a wonderful start to a year so that you could get much better. Make Jesus your shepherd. And then for those of us who are here today, where we would say Jesus is our shepherd, then I ask you again to, to reflect on those questions on the screen. Maybe pray just now by yourself, or write down something on some paper or, or on your phone. Maybe talk with someone today, you wanna, that something's touched you and you, want, and you want to talk to someone today. Open yourself up. Because in, in the one sense, we're all meant to be shepherding each other, aren't we? We're all meant to be caring and protecting and loving each other. Maybe ask someone at the end of the service, how are you doing really? What can I pray for you? As you start this new year. And let's take this pas- the prayer of this passage into 2024. This benediction that the God who has won us peace through the cross and the empty tomb of Christ equip us with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus our great shepherd, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to invite the band up to lead us. We're going to sing, not unsurprisingly, the Lord is my shepherd. But I want us to really think about that when we sing it. Is the Lord really my shepherd? And if he is, then how am I responding to those questions that we've talked about? 
this morning. Let's sing and worship together. The Lord is my shepherd.